We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. I'm Alex. I'm joined by Cy, Charlotte and Kyle, who was in the OEND at the City of Manchester Stadium with me last night. We're going to talk about Newcastle's 1-0 defeat to Manchester City. What happened? Why? And what does it actually mean? Uh, we're on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month. Coming up this week, Keith Gillespie, Craig Hope, preview of the Liverpool game, lots more. Come and join us. You also get these shows advertisement free. Would love to have you along. Cy, Manchester City won, Newcastle United nil. Thoughts? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, I watched the uh, the Eddie Howe um, extended press conference post game, and he uses the word disappointed about 18 times. So he was obviously disappointed, and I understand why people were disappointed. But ultimately, you've got to say that a one nil defeat at, at the Etihad isn't isn't that bad. Um, I don't think we were at our best. Man City were very good for spells in the game, but I, I would also say that they probably that's not the best they can play. But it was just one of those games. You, you either get two types of, of matches out of out of what I'll call top four fixtures, because we're in the top four. Um, you either get the 3-3 against Man City last season at St. James's, where both teams are just pretty much gung-ho, end-to-end, barnstorm and match. Or you get this cagey kind of one moment's going to decide the game kind of affair. And that's what it was yesterday. Um, I think the goal was, was sloppy in many ways, and we'll get into the, the details of that. But otherwise, I'm kind of like, I'm okay with that. You know, Eddie Howe's talking like he's disappointed. It's like, you know, he doesn't think it's acceptable to, to lose 1-0 even if it's Man City, um, compared to the previous manager. That's just so nice to hear. Um, no pat on the back for, for losing by one goal. But I just, I, I, I don't, I don't um, I'm going to caveat my, my my mood on this as to the eight o'clock Saturday night game because I was pretty pissed when I watched the match. So, <laughs> so really, um, I wasn't as upset by the end of it as I maybe could have been if I was watching it at home and, and kind of more engaged with it in that sense. But um, yeah, I, I'm okay with it. I think, I think, it's, it's a tough place to go. Not many teams take points there. We thought if we played well, we, we were saying all week on the previews and all the podcasts we did last week that if we play well and they don't play it the best, we might get something, but didn't didn't play out like that. But there's always next year. Yeah, it, uh, for me, I'm positive about it as well. I, I think I said it on the instant reaction last night. It's kind of a progression when Eddie Howe first went there with the team that he inherited, we kind of got smashed. And then last year it was a close game where a bit of quality really made the difference in Forden. And then Forden again uh, last night really made the difference. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's progressive. And I think us having bits of play at Man City where we'll have the ball and we'll look comfortable on the ball, that is unknown because past years at the Etihad, we've went, we've went there and probably not even strung four or five passes together. 
in the entire game. Like, we've came so far in such a short amount of time, and I know it's not ideal to talk about a loss or try and big up a loss as much as we can because the loss is still a loss at the end of the day. It counts for nothing, but there's still a lot of positives to take out of that. We could play like that against 16 of the 20 Premier League teams and would beat them. And, like, in these big games against the big teams, you need your big players to stand out. And I think you mentioned it last night, Alex, where, like, where we just didn't have that that extra bit of quality that Man City do. If Newcastle had a Bernardo Silva-level player on the right-hand side, for example... We get a draw, win that uh, yesterday, despite the despite the performance and yeah, it it obviously I'm not digging out uh, Miggy or anything like that. I thought he played well, running off the ball and making runs. It was just that final end product and being that little bit more ruthless. Um, but we weren't that, and we're still a little bit away from Man City's ruthlessness. But yeah, it was a, it was a close game and all, but yeah, we've still got a little bit way to go to catch Man City. I think. I'm a bit more disappointed, I think. Um, I take your points, and I get it. And, Sai, you said I'm okay with it so many times there that it sounded like <laughs> I'm fine. I'm f- totally fine. Yeah. Um, but I expected better yesterday. I expected a better performance. And, it w- like, the second half was a better performance than the first half, so in that respect, it, it got a little bit better. But I didn't expect, and maybe you said this on the instant reaction, I didn't expect us to go to the Etihad and um, look so kind of uh, frightened in the first half or timid on the ball in the first half. Uh, we've, we've, we've spent big over the last year. We have some really excellent players, and I'm sure we'll get into players um, on a more individual basis later on in the podcast, but I just, I, it wasn't what I expected from our performance. Um, Result-wise, I didn't expect a loss. I hope for a hope. I hope for three points, but I was like, yeah, I'd take a draw, you know. Um, and I think it's an interesting comment Kyle makes that we play that way against 16 other teams we win. Well, they're not out, that's not the caliber we're looking at, though, is it? Like, we're looking at Manchester City as this is the team to beat and we're not beating them. And why? And we we played so well last week, but it's Aston Villa. Like it, that, this this was the litmus test, and and we we failed it. Interesting set of points there. I think I'm going to separate this one into two. Okay. The result is fine, absolutely fine. It's not good, but it's fine. Arsenal go there last season, concede four. Man United go there last season, concede six. Uh, Spurs go there last season, concede four. Uh, I think Brighton and Villa go there and concede three, and that's the whole of the top seven right there or unable to keep Manchester City from kind of running riot in a sense that Newcastle did. However, like you said, Sir Eddie Howe, I essentially echo Eddie Howe's words. What are the odds? Both great men. <laughs> Eddie Howe is obviously, is obviously right, but he basically says the result is, is fine. They're disappointed. We didn't do ourselves justice, particularly in that first half. And, and Eddie Howe, you know, in his press uh, responsibilities pregame, bigged up about not taking a step back. Um, and kind of really going after Man City in giving them a game. Pep Guardiola was kind of terrified pre-game. He was begging the fans to stay with them. He was like, we need you guys. Mm. We're going to be tired. And they didn't. They didn't need their fans in the end because they managed the hell out of the game in the second half, particularly in the last 20, 30 minutes, even though Newcastle came into the game more. And they were so dominant in the first half. 
they should have been ahead by more, even though Pope hasn't made lots of saves. And I suppose performance-wise, there are kind of more questions than answers from this this performance for me. I take your point, Charlotte, about we've kind of we've gone to the best and they are the best probably in the world. They they did the treble, did you know? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I forgot. It. I forgot, listener, viewer, colleagues. I forgot that this was their first home game yeah. after winning both the FA Cup and the Champions League. They haven't played at home since. So it was their opportunity to celebrate that. And he just kind of, because you're so Newcastle United focused, mm. completely forgot this was like a party. There were people at the ground hours before. There were replicas of those trophies, like not just around the ground, around East Manchester in various parts. You walk past a fucking Premier League trophy, like FA Cup, like <laughs> relentlessly. And then you got to the ground that had their own version of cellar fireworks, but outside <laughs> the pitch, outside the ground, massive things everywhere of these trophies. And you're like, fuck, I totally forgot that they did this. Yeah. Um, so it was a real celebration atmosphere. The kickoff actually started late because of the bullshit thing they put on the pitch. I was foaming. <laughs> Points deduction. Should have been 3-0 down before the start. I believe three minutes past eight. So late, late enough. <laughs> late enough, Manchester City, without further delays. But ultimately, we, we haven't gone there and done what we're good at, and that's a shame. And I'm going to talk about that more in part two of the show and, and the questions that raises. But I share Eddie Howe's frustration, and I think someone saw Mad Dog... Uh, during the second half, like basically swearing to himself, probably we've been so fucking shit on the ball. Yeah, you know, ultimately we're a really good side, and walking away from that, he had me and Kyle had Manchester City fans saying it was like you'll definitely finish top four because no one gives them a game because yeah. literally at home Manchester City, apart from like the odd freak result like, like Everton getting a draw there and Man City having thirty shots on goal, all of their games are processions, and it wasn't a procession. And Newcastle were in a game, and Manchester City at full time. Were, were like jubilant and I suppose that sends its own message having said that there's just you know it's great to get this one out the way but we won't get that chance again to try and impose our game on them as good as they are yeah I think I'd like to caveat my original response of the the occasion the result losing 1-0 second game of the season away at the team that probably will win the league again is okay but I agree the performance wasn't as good as we thought it would be we spent like I say a week previewing this one talking about it's the best time to play them everything had kind of aligned they were playing in Greece in, in on Wednesday um, De Bruyne injury, everything just felt like this was a chance and it, it does feel like an opportunity missed. I just don't want to crucify the players for, for having a, an off day at a really difficult ground to go against an unbelievably good team. I don't think we need to crucify them, but I do think it's important to kind of think about this and think about what does it mean. Like the way that I'm looking at this game is is how does this contextualise this journey that we're on? How does this... Um, what does this mean in, in, in that sort of piece of the... That, what, piece of the puzzle is this and I think it's a you know, I don't want to dig anyone out necessarily but there are like Alex says I, I agree with you I think there are questions that this threw out that um more yeah, than answers there's definitely stuff to analyze and I'm sure we will I just think um you know one nil that's all right <laughs> it's, it's a one nil that we're all disappointed with it's one nil that the manager and the players are disappointed with no one's coming away from that stadium in that coaching and playing staff giving themselves a pat on the back for, for a job well done that they are disappointed and yeah, there's questions to be answered about why we didn't do as well as we could have done. But I think the effort was there. I think um, it just it just didn't really happen for us. Like all early season results, their context will be defined by what's, what follows. If Newcastle mm. United don't beat Villa or Brighton and this bad start of the season, this, result, this performance probably actually looks worse. If Man City go on to do what we probably think they'll do and maybe get 100 points this season then it will look even better, particularly if they start scoring record numbers of goals at home. So we'll, we'll see. It was a really frustrating one to be in the away end because we didn't do us. Forget about Man City, who were great in the first half. Wow. Like, just just an absolute elite level of, of football and game management and 
the amount of like mental application our players have to put in to just remain in the game and, and work out what City are trying to do. And we're going to talk about some of those things City did to negate Newcastle's strengths later in the show. But it just felt like it was an opportunity missed. And I suppose as a podcast host, you can't sit here doing podcasts all week on Patreon and YouTube stuff saying, what a time to play them, this is our chance. And then kind of say, well, three cheers for us for only losing 1-0, even though objectively that is a good result at that stadium against this opposition. So... We'll talk about it more uh, as the show goes on. We're going to end part one there. Some adverts coming up now. If you don't listen to the adverts, uh, it's only £3 a month on that tier to listen to this podcast without any adverts or even me referencing them back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Part two of the show, let's get into the nitty-gritty of this fixture. Kyle, everyone's kind of talking about Newcastle's wastefulness, particularly in Manchester City's final third. What do you want to say, mate? I, I mean, to be fair, like you, you look at, obviously, Man City are one of the better teams, and, and Ruben Diaz wasn't expected to start, but he did. And that's a massive difference whenever Man City play. If he's not there, they're a lot weaker defensively. But beside the point, I think we're front three just didn't have that the ruthlessness you need in these type of games. It's In the first half, I remember saying to John, who I was sitting with, uh, part of True Faith, and saying to him, we're showing these far too much respect in a, in a lot of cases where they were just putting the ball over the top, and I know you mentioned that with the press. They were going direct. They were looking to, to really get in behind when we, we were just happy to have the ball. And I know I mentioned that in part one, we did have the ball, and that's great. The Eddie had, it's a rarity. But I do believe in this team this team can hurt any opposition on the planet. Now, I fully believe that. It's just we showed them far too much respect. Isak was really isolated. I know he got a little bit of stick for not being involved in the game as much, but he was against he was against Ruben Diaz for most of the game. And even when he got a little bit of a chance on the ball, he tried to make think, something of it, give it to Gordon. The left-hand side were very limited because Byrne wasn't overlapping because it's something that he just doesn't do. But it's it yeah, in terms of ruthlessness and trying to play on the front foot, it, it happened. It, you referenced the final last night, Alex, in in um, in the instant reaction. Like these big games, we seem to show these teams far too much respect, and it's just like we need to stop. We need to be the team we are and the fearless team that we are against the rest of the league in these big games. Great point, and yeah, we keep re- referencing Instant Reaction. It's a show we do immediately after the match on Patreon. It's about 45 minutes long. Get involved. I'll stop mentioning it. <laughs> Easier to sell these things when we win as well. Um, 
Newcastle United, even this current version, have got no recent history of winning at top sides away from home. Okay, now it might not sound like much, but actually, you know, we won at Spurs last season and they finished eighth. And at the time they were in the top three, but I think everyone knew even at the time Spurs were not a good side. And, and you know, it would go on to be proved. And I just wonder this respect thing, because I heard it a lot, and it did feel like that. It felt like we're not, we're not us. We're not, we're not making it hard for them. We're not, we're not forcing them backwards. We're not forcing them out of play. We're not doing all the things which normally when we play well, we do. And I just wonder how much of it is just lack of muscle memory in those situations in these stadiums against these sides. Now, at home, it's a different story. We've pushed Manchester City all the way last season, should have beaten them. We've done Arsenal in, a, in you know, the season before in a massive game. We've beaten Manchester United comfortably. Um, these are big, big performances, big games. The Spurs game was a massive game at the time. Brighton at home was a massive game at the time against a good team. And we'll kind of spectacularly overcome those fixtures or those opponents in those fixtures at home and we've, we've done some remarkable things away from home under Eddie Howe but we haven't done it in these games against the top sides and I just wonder how realistic it is even for me as a fan in the away and last night to think that we're going to go to these places like Manchester City who are the best team in the world and, and, and kind of get into them and have a go and, and be fearless and be reckless and whether that's what Eddie Howe wants and the players aren't doing I don't know but it just just you know the longer it goes on without winning one of those games and we could have won at Old Trafford last season thinking about we could have won there and that, w- that would have been massive and I wouldn't be making this point if we had but but it isn't it isn't just <laughs> kind didn't. of yeah it isn't just kind of flick a switch and all of a sudden even though we're a very good side and we might push the top two this season we might get 80 points all that kind of stuff not everyone agrees with me on that but it's a big jump then to still go and win at the Etihad and I just wonder if the best way of winning at the Etihad for Newcastle United at the minute was being a little bit more conservative trying to get the, the trying to get in at half time nil nil and then win it off the bench in the second half when Manchester City started to tie it, which they did, and they didn't have much from the bench. And actually, if that was the game plan, it wasn't a million miles off, but it's, it's not what any of us want to see. It's not what any of us associate with this version of Newcastle United. I don't know. It could just be that Newcastle didn't turn up last night. It could be I'm you know, trying to look for things that aren't there. But we just don't have that history of, of winning at these grounds yet. And it's an issue. I think that's a really interesting point. Like, if that was the game plan... It, like you say, it wasn't far off what actually happened. But we, as fans, aren't expecting that or wanting that at Manchester City. And maybe that's where the disconnect is. But Eddie Howe's never come to come out and be like, here's the game plan. Um, this was this was exactly as as to plan. And, 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 I, and, and the reason I don't think it was the game plan was because he came out and said he was disappointed. Yeah, he was it, also asked, sorry to interrupt, he was asked in that, that press conference, was that the game plan, try and contain Man City and see right. if he can do it. And, he, and he, he pretty much denied. He said, no, I really thought we'd have a bit more... Um, to offer going forward ourselves he wasn't trying we weren't trying to to keep that game nil nil for as long as possible I don't think that was the plan no and it doesn't feel like and yeah okay we can we 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 adapt games and game plans for the the opposition and but it's it's, it doesn't feel like an Eddie Howe approach to to tell our players like when they start to tire we'll 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 win this off the bench we'll do this this and this and and like you say, so it, it, I think it's a really interesting question. I don't know what the answer is. How do we do it? What, I guess how do we do it is years and more investment in the squad. That's that's how we do it. But with this squad, I, I, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't see it happen. I want to get into the, the, the squad in particular, because it's a really good point with this squad in part three of the show. Sorry, you were going to come in before I make my point. Uh, no, you've moved us on now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the big things that happened yesterday, which will have annoyed Eddie Howe, is Manchester City comfortably beat our press 
first minutes of the game. And when that happens, the whole team and the whole 11 go, what now? Yeah. Because once they can play out of our press, we've got no answer to that. Now, the second half, Eddie Howe comes out and says, we, you know, I told them to go back to basics with the press to get higher up the pitch. And they did, they did it. Honestly, I'm not, you know, there are lots of issues in Manchester City. I don't like their, their fans, their, their dicks in and out the ground. <laughs> there, were, there were dicks in and out the ground how, last how night. How dare they celebrate the treble? How dare they? <laughs> Freaks. Um, but the solutions that Guardiola came up with to our press are revolutionary. <laughs> like, like genius shit. Like, but it's quite simple genius shit. <laughs> part of it was, part, yeah. you know, there was, there was essentially two, two major things. There was, there was three, but I'll talk about two. The most obvious one that Charlotte means is that they just thought, well, we're just going to kick it long to yeah. Haaland. We're going to put Haaland halfway in the Newcastle half, miles mm. ahead the rest of our side, and we're just going to kick along to him. And he nearly got in tw- well, three times, but twice two good chances from that. Teams don't think of that normally. You, you wouldn't expect that. Like, Ten Hag's not fucking doing that. Like, and, and it is because he's got Haaland, who's this, this you know, superhuman freak of a footballer who, <laughs> who is able physically to, to exploit that. But that was one way of beating the press. But the other way where Newcastle would creep further and further forward, close off options from Edison, and you think there's, there's no way out here. And then all of a sudden, the two wingers, um, Foden and Alvarez, essentially run into the middle of the pitch, and Edison plays like genius balls through the middle of the pitch, along the floor, or chips, to those two players, and we just did not have an answer to it. And it like it totally threw the game plan. And that's when, when we're talking about like what was the game plan. You have to trust Eddie Howe and think, we'd meant to press them high, but as soon as Man City started beating that press, and they beat it easily in the first half without this kind of higher level shit that they did in the second half, I just feel like, again, we don't have the, the experience in these grounds at these places of being able to think, right, what's plan B? What do we do now? What, because teams can't beat it. Brighton tried to beat it. Villa tried to beat it last, like two of the last three home games going into last season. They had plans to beat the press. It didn't work. And it, in fact, it goes disastrously wrong for them. But when a team does manage to beat the press, a little bit like Arsenal did at our place last season, we look a little bit out of ideas. I think, um, one, on Edison, it's like a cheat card. Like, no yeah. goalkeeper should be able to play passes like that with their feet. He should yeah. be an outfield player. He's, he's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I think what happens when, you, when, when the press doesn't work is that we ended up, despite not being the team that had been to, to Greece and back in midweek, we looked more tired as the game went on because we're chasing shadows, we're doing all this pressing but not getting anywhere near the ball and they're just passing it around us and we tire ourselves out and then we can't be as productive with the ball and it just kind of it's exactly what we did to Villa last week Villa tried to kind of press us and they tried to get into our half and we just popped it around them and, and tied them out they were just like fuck's sake lads like they just kind of gave up and I'm not saying we gave up we like you said we we improved second half and we tried to kind of readjust but when a team does that to you and that, like at the high energy is just being it's 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 really inefficient we wasted so much of that energy that we then weren't converting any of our kind of key moments in the game we had a small number of, of decent opportunities where we got in and then the decision making goes out the window I was really frustrated at that one where where Wilson was put through and we had like four four players forward and just the wrong decision he, he cuts back and just things stop falling into place when you when you're tired and I think the fatigue showed with with our team which which we weren't expecting because we always just expect Newcastle to be the fitter team but if a team does that to you when you're pressing to no avail it just it just turns the game in its head it's the mental fatigue as well. It's not just the physical um, impact on our players. It's this, well, I wasn't expecting that. And then and then you start getting tired and you start getting panicky and you start making bad decisions or losing the ball. 
and and Manchester City are just so good at just at just dispossessing. I I couldn't get over how easy it looked for them to just take the ball off mm. us yesterday. Um, and and part of that has to be that kind of um, we're out of ideas. I don't know what to do. Great point because one of the things I thought killed us, and I'm you know you know loath to blame referees for defeats, and it's not the referees' fault that we lost. Seven yellow cards for Newcastle. Yeah. This was not a dirty game. There were not no. lots of late challenges. Seven yellow cards, the whole midfield booked. And it, it meant City were, like you say, City were able to manhandle us off the ball without much censor. And as soon as we tried to return the favour, it was yellow card. So, so it, become, it became impossible to compete as the game went on in any sort of physical battle. Man City have got a lot of big lads anyway. Um, I thought that, that they nullified Joe Linton really well, particularly in the first half. They just... They just did a number on us, and watching them, I don't know whether it comes across on TV, but watching them live, they're just so patient to manage the fuck out of games. And I suppose one of the issues that I slightly have with kind of, you know, we've gone there, we've lost 1-0, it's not, a, it's not the worst result, but the performance wasn't great. One of the issues I have with kind of, oh, well, on another day we could have got a draw or was close is Man City probably had other levels to go to in that mm. game. They managed the hell out of it, and they're so indirect, it's actually boring to what and obviously it's boring for me or, or painful for me because I don't want them to score anyway but I think a player like Jack Grealish comes into Man City side and initially does quite badly because he just wants to run with the ball at the box no no that's not how Man City play they they play with their opponents back and forth back mm. and forth sideways backwards forwards sideways backwards like you said Charlotte mentally and physically exhausting and you said sign the physical aspect of it they, they don't kill you through the middle with the killer pass mm. often you know, particularly when they're in the lead, they, they they kill you, keeping the ball from you, but making you defend space in areas you don't want to defend space. And it was Stu last night on Instant Reaction Pod made a great point that maybe Newcastle's failure to capitalise on the position or the possessions that they had was because the like the pressure of doing the right thing was so important because you're like, if I fuck this up or I pick the wrong pass or I do this or it's another five minutes eighteen seconds without the ball or chasing shadows around the middle part of the pitch with uh, four Manchester City players occupying our back line so the, the lads at the back can't jump into midfield to try and intercept the ball. And as a result, it looked like Newcastle didn't really take the risks they should have, but I also think that, that there are two teams. Sometimes we forget as fans and sometimes we forget in this podcast, there are two teams playing and everything that you do is somewhat negated or controlled by what the opposition does and Man City were just too good last night. Any other thoughts on what happened during the game or the direction of travel in the game? To be fair, like, both managers really tried to push the ball out tactically and I think Eddie Howe has alluded to in his press conferences after the game where we've been disappointed, disappointed going forward. But to, in all fairness, I think in the next couple of years, it's going to be one of those real tactical battles in the Premier League between the two managers. You, you've seen that last night and... Man City having a, and I quote, high-level shit response to something that we're doing mm-hmm. is it, it's it's quite it's quite fascinating and you've seen after the game how much it meant uh, Guardiola to win that game against where he pays all the respect that that would deserve and more and even applauded the the fans after the game last night so he wasn't taking Newcastle lightly and the panic before the game really for him, is is rare. Not many teams go to the Etihad and he's thinking, if we're not on our toes, we're going to get beat. And it's... I, I think it's it, it, it's not necessarily a badge of honour, but it's a compliment we can definitely take in saying that 
as a team, were going in the right direction. Because for Man City fans to say it after games, oh, you'll finish top four comfortably is is something. It's just like, it's not a panic thing. Man City are the best team on the planet by a considerable distance unless Real Madrid managed to do something the next couple of years. But it, yeah, I, th- I just think we're not far off them. Not as far as people think. I know they're, they're great in possession and stuff like that, but on my day we are as well. We're just going forward. We've had a bad day at the office, I think. On a different day, it could have been. It could, we could have had a different, like, like a goal or more chances with a bit more. Any um, chances? Yeah, any chances <laughs> with a bit more conviction. But we're not as far as people think, and I think, yeah, honestly, like we did all right yesterday. Obviously, a loss isn't great, but Man City are the best team in the world. Party day from winning the treble, UEFA Super Cup, FA Cup, Premier League, all that. It's just it's ridiculous, really, and that's what we're having to catch up to. Yeah, I think we're coming around to the idea that Man City are still very, very good, and that's probably what what won the game. And the, at the end of the day, they were just much better than us. Um, I think the reason that is so important is, other than the press stuff and the things that we didn't get right, um, you kind of forget that a team like Man City, you, just, you, you get like half a second less in, in Premier League terms. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's huge on the ball, half a second less to to make the right decision. Um, Bruno's guilty of this, and he has been in, in a lot of the games against big big teams. Is taking a bit too long on the ball and, and not, not get, releasing it quicker. And, and that, that was the case across the pitch. We just, we don't appreciate that Man City are going to be on you. It, it was almost like Aston Villa last week was too easy. We seem to get a lot of time on the ball. We seem to be able to pick our pass and, and do these little moves that were really good. Man City just weren't going to let us do that. And I think that's another element of we're, we're giving probably ourselves a bit too much of a hard time for not appreciating that they are just such a such a machine of a team that it's, it's just really difficult to play your game against a side that's that well drilled that that's that effective it was just it was just hard it was hard we're going to move on to part three we're going to talk about individuals in this fixture uh, and maybe a little bit about the defense which did very well overall so back after these adverts one major positive of last night was just conceding one goal good for the goal difference and the morale kyle it's it's generally thought that newcastle's back four or the defensive effort was the best best thing to come out of that fixture your thoughts yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I, I do want to mention Botman, but before I do, I think Cher's tackle on Haaland was was absolutely brilliant, and it, it needs to be said for sure. But I thought Botman really played well last night, and honestly, like in games against Haaland, the last two at the Etihad, I think I, I, it just started I seen earlier on, and I don't know if I'm nicking this off you, Alex. I'm sorry if I have, but the last two games against Man City we've played at the Etihad, Haaland hasn't scored, and I think we're the only team that he hasn't. Which is That, that he's played 90 minutes, that like he hasn't 90, come off the pitch, yeah. yeah. We're the only team in the Premier League ever to stop him scoring, and like, we've done it twice. That just, it just shows how absolutely ridiculous <laughs> Haaland is. And yeah, I know he had a couple of half chances and stuff, but players of his quality are always going to find space and stuff like that. You're not going to completely isolate him out of the game, but I, I thought Botman in terms of physical presence, in terms of how comfortable he was on the ball, was just, as we'll call him, Rolls-Royce yesterday. He re- it, There's reasons why Man City wanted him in the summer, and I think he showed that last night. Um, absolutely brilliant he was. Uh, brilliant defender last night he was. I think as well, Sai is chomping at the bit to come and slag off Botman. I can see it <laughs> happening. Steam. Um, I, um, just, to, just to kind of quickly add to that... Um, being able to nullify Erling Haaland, particularly in the context of 
the that that being their answer to our one of their answers to our our press he was getting the ball and he he was getting himself into positions and we, and he didn't score and he's this freak robot machine who scores goals for fun and he didn't score and that is because of of Botman and Fabian Cher those two were absolutely amazing yesterday kind of disagree with you both <laughs> I, I don't know I I, I when, when I came to the office this morning I was surprised that you're all talking up Botman's performance I don't think he was bad you know like you say you, you restricted Haaland but I thought Haaland turned him inside out a, a handful of times and on another day, I, I thought Haaland's finishing was the only thing that let him down yesterday. You know, he, he scuffed a couple. Um, he, he pulled, he dragged them wide. When on another, he just pings them in the corner, and I, I, that's probably only a couple of moments in the game. Generally speaking, in the air, bottom was good. I think, I think dealing with that kind of long ball situation that was going on, I mean, the, the 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 fatigue thing, and, and literally the game was. Botman was far more involved in that game than he than he is. So you've got to give him credit for that, and the same for the entire defense. But I don't know. I think. Haaland just had a bit of an off day, and maybe that's because he was getting frustrated. Maybe well, that's the, because that, of the, the the impact they were having on him. But I do think he could, have, he, he should have. And I'd be, I'd be, I'd be frustrated if Isaac had have, had those chances and missed. I'd be frustrated if Wilson had had those chances and missed. I think we got away with a couple. I think I just think you have to credit the defense with that. Like if he's having an off day, is he being frustrated by by Botman and Cher? Mm. Is he? Are they in his head a little bit? Maybe. And I and and I choose to believe yes. I think <laughs> I think they had a big I played a big part in that. And um, and I don't think you can just say ah maybe he was just having a shocker because I think that does them a massive disservice. Seems I'll, unfair. I'll, I'll reintroduce my caveat from the first part of the show is that I don't remember the full ninety minutes that well. Such was the uh, the eight o'clock beer kickoff. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose I, I get it. I, I don't, I'm not by no means digging him out. I just don't think he was as brilliant as as you know. And you're always it's always difficult to pick out players that are really impressive when you lose ultimately. But mm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Haaland scores most most weeks with some of those chances. But he didn't because Botman played. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times Botman was one on one with Haaland in a physical altercation or whatever it may be, Bot- Botman got the. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well he's, 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 he's a beast yeah. in the Haaland. Yeah. Like, the amount of times one on one, Botman got the got the better end of it. It, it. it doesn't usually happen. Haaland usually bullies defenders left, right, and centre. And I thought Botman was brilliant in all the fight last night, to be fair. And if it's sorry. And if we're talking about play, like coming out of the blocks and not being particularly aggressive, Botman was like Botman and Cher. That tackle was a really bold choice from from Cher. Um, those are players who sort of took that brief and 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 channeled at least some of that. I felt. I I think as as good as a lot of the blocks, tackles, physical duels were. What Newcastle's defense did best was defend. Man City's transitions really well. The amount of like positive moments Manchester City could have had that were sniffed out through an interception or some good positional play or a, a header in a very pressurised situation to a teammate, particularly from Kieran Trippi, who I thought was excellent. By the way, I thought he was man of the match for Newcastle by some distance. That's actually, I imagine, what the coaching staff will take out of it because I think we all know that physical physicality you kind of know what you're going to get from from your players you know what you're going to get aerially but that kind of in-game moments where decision making is everything that kind of separates our defense I feel from some of the other defenses in the league and even at the top end look at Manchester United and how easy it is to both walk through their midfield but also when you've walked through the midfield you get a big chance at the end of it 
they were getting through Newcastle's press, they were getting through Newcastle's midfield yesterday, but the big chances weren't coming. That's because of the defence defending those transitions. So I, th- I was I was actually like at the match, I was just like applauding, like well, like well done, lads. Like, it doesn't, you know, like a block might get a, a, not a block, but a, an interception, or it, it looks like a really bad pass from a Manchester City player because our player hasn't followed their player because we expect we know where the ball's going to go. I just thought that was top top level stuff last night from the defence, and I do want to praise the defence mostly, but I think we've got to t- talk about two players which have kind of dominated social media conversation. That's Dan Byrne and Miguel Moron. And I get everyone's thoughts, but one of the things which struck me yesterday, and I'll, you know what, Si, I'll throw in Sean Longstaff. Newcastle, at lot, for large parts of that game, have Byrne and Almiron, and then Longstaff comes on because Joe Linton gets injured. Mm-hmm. The difference in technical quality of those footballers to not just their teammates, but the opposition is magnified in these fixtures against this opposition because you have to be so perfect on the ball and they just weren't. Now, Longstaff didn't start the game and he's been injured and he had missed a lot of pre-season so I'd leave that to one side because he hasn't had loads of minutes but I was really poor when he came on. Byrne and Almiron are big problems in, 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 in this kind of situation. Almiron's a more interesting one which we'll talk about so we'll do Byrne first but I was at this fixture in the away end in March, the week after the cup final and Phil Foden killed Dan Byrne and won the game for them. And I've been there again, and Phil Foden's <laughs> killed Dan Byrne and won the game. And that's just, as a fan, that's frustrating. Now, if you look at the three areas where most Newcastle fans would say we need an upgrade in quality before this season, they would look at Longstaff's position, as good as he was last season, but in terms of quality of footballer, the one who got to Nani. They'd say left-back, but we've just gone out and it looks like, but not confirmed, signed Lewis Hall for, what, £33 million? Including Adams. Adams. Yeah, so up to thirty-three million pounds as an eighteen eighteen year old. So it looks like the club, the coaching staff also have identified those positions and in terms of quality, thought we have to go and improve. The one area that we maybe haven't, though Anthony Gordon could come into it long term, is right is right wing. And in fact I'd say in terms of positions last season that we didn't have nailed down start as left wing was a position. They've gone out and bought Harvey Barnes. So they have tried to plug the gaps and but in a game like last night, and it's so fucking hard. Dan Byrne Phil Foden is a world class footballer it's not like he's playing against some nobody he's playing against someone who is better than him uh, faster than him better on the ball and playing in a better team so Dan Byrne's got a lot going against him already before the game however I just I just feel like watching the game live Almiron is separate and we'll come on to him can you go and win at the Etihad with players like that in your team not that I'm saying they shouldn't have started not that I'm saying they shouldn't start next week Dan Byrne should start against Liverpool Miguel Almiron should start against Liverpool 100% for me um, Miguel Almiron and Byrne had good games against Aston Villa so this is not trying to just say this is all their fault because it's not we've articulated previously in the show where Newcastle went wrong in this game where Manchester City went right but on a, on a pure watching the game live in terms of ability to pass the ball under pressure, to receive the ball under pressure, to do the right thing at the right time, to interact with your teammates in a manner that your teammates understand and expect, I just felt like those two players killed us last night. And there was a time, I think it was the third time in the first half, where Almiron receives the ball in a very advanced position, turns back, goes inside, and ends up passing to Dan Byrne in the left-back position. So he's gone right to left, and I, I was like, I don't know whether I was actually physically screaming or just in my head, I was like, <laughs> Miggy, they want you to do this, mate. There's a reason it keeps being allowed to happen mm. is they are fine with you going backwards across the pitch and finding our left-back who can't, who can't get forward. Like, you are doing what they want you to do. Try and do something that you don't. What do you think? Anyone, am I being harsh on these lads? I don't think it's their fault we got beat, but 
it just felt like the gulf in quality between them and the rest of the players in the pitch was massive. It's it's that it's technical ability, isn't it? And and, and they're, they're also I think I've been thinking about this. They're our, like our older player. I know Kieran Trippier is Kieran Trippier, right? But they're sort of are aging out of this squad as well, and that you can see it. They just don't have that technical ability to deal with that kind of world class, or at least try something new with world class players. And to your question, you know, do we win? Places like the Etihad with that kind of player in our squad? The answer is no. The answer is no. It's it's emphatically no. Literally, we haven't won. We can't do it with those players in our squad, and we we need to upgrade them. Dan Byrne, it, you know, Kieran Trippier was your man of the match yesterday, and on his own merit, but the, the imbalance on that left and right is just so stark when you're watching it. Um, Phil Foden had Dan Byrne all over the pitch yesterday. He was uh, creating acres of space because he just couldn't keep up with it. And then you've got that kind of Kieran Trippier on the other side who can kind of deal with that level of football, um, doing all of this heavy lifting. The left-hand side was horrible yesterday, and certainly in the first half. And that is that, that the, root, the root of that is Dan Byrne, right? He's, he's the one playing at left-back, and he's not... He, I, I, yeah, I, you, you can't win at the Etihad or at these top places, we're about to play Champions League football. We're about to play the best teams in the world. It is a worry for me. I, I disagree. I think we're being a bit harsh on Dan Byrne here. I think um, he is capable. He's not capable against Phil Foden, it would appear. Uh, that's twice he's done it. But, and, but Dan Byrne does win individual battles. I think back to Arsenal away last Christmas. Saka did now. You know, we've got a clean sheet there. He, he can do it. Um, I would say yesterday, the goal, not, not his fault. Yes, Foden gave him a really torrid time, but who the fuck's tracking Alcaraz? Bruno's miles behind. Where the fuck was Joe Linton yesterday? I thought Joe Linton was yeah. put and it turned out he was injured. I don't know when that happened, but um, I thought the midfield in a game like that should be given your, your defence some help. Byrne needed help and he wasn't really getting much of it. He was just being left one-on-one with a world-class football, like you're saying. That's not going to happen most weeks. Um, I agree. But, that it, we, but we, it has happened the last two games against his opposition. Yeah, against yeah. Okay. The best team in the world. Uh, you know, you, you could <laughs> get you get a, a left back for 50 million and they might still struggle against Phil Foden. You know what I mean? Like, I just think pinning our inability to win these games just on Dan Byrne is probably not fair. That's definitely not what we're doing, though. It's not like, hey, Dan Byrne, it's your fault we lost. But it's it's a big component of that of that game. No, I disagree. I think It's, I think it's as much sigh about the, the other stuff, the going forward, you know. Listen, Dan Byrne was signed for £12 million as a centre-back, mm. okay? So Dan Byrne, £12 million, Almiron, £60 million. Those figures don't get close to what most of their teammates cost okay so it's not their fault and, they, and and like i said they should both start off in newcastle next week on merit but i'm just my the point i'm making is we didn't lose to manchester city because of dan Byrne. i agree but the difference in quality in, t- in terms of on the ball quality and that there was a point where dan Byrne got a load of space second half first time him and gordon and gordon it could be gordon's fault he didn't he didn't know whether to drop short or make the run in behind, and he's left in two minds and Burn passed the ball out of play, which wasn't Burn's fault necessarily, Gordon. And it's like, Gordon's a good player, and he did well yesterday, but I, 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 I suppose the point I'm making is, is oh, are we always going to struggle in these fixtures when we have players of this ability? And because time's ticking, we should move on to Almiron, and Almiron kind of same question, we can, you can bring Burn back into it if you want, but no one caused Manchester City more issues yesterday than Miguel Almiron. But no one did more stupid things with the ball at his feet <laughs> than Miguel Almiron, and no one caused Manchester City less problems with the ball in advanced positions than Miguel Almiron. Yeah. Thoughts, Kyle? 
I think where where Miggy's concerned, you're right in saying like he made all the right runs. He was causing them havoc in in the, in those spaces. But it's almost like Man City stood off him and and said the game plan is just let him fuck up on his own mm-hmm. because he will. <laughs> it's that's almost like what 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 the what the plan was because he did, and it was like I've, I I think I was saying to you on the way to the car yesterday. I've never seen a player rely on his on one foot quite so much, and like. I know there's the joke that I and Robin was only a one-footed player, but like, it, it it's just it it's it's mental how much he relies on it, and like even if he had the ounce of confidence to use his other foot, it'd be it'd be he'd be deadly. Like Man City were happy just to let him have the ball, and as much he was as he was making runs and stuff like that, it was. It's just in these big games, Mickey kind of. <laughs> It's it's horrible because I just don't like I, I really rate Miggy as a player, but he stands out like a sore thumb quality wise. I think as I say in part one, if we have a Bernardo Silva level right winger or Phil Foden, we get a draw last night, we get a win. Like that's the difference between world class and very good team. And at the minute we're a very good team again playing against a world class team and it's 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 harsh on Miggy because I think he had the the great season he had last season in terms of his goals and he does run a lot off the ball and in terms of defensively you kind of ask for more from a, from a winger but in that final third like we just really struggled last night and and I think if we just had that bit more ruthlessness and had that little bit extra quality you definitely get goals from 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 yesterday as bad as we were execution wise going forward. I think you're right about the Miguel Almiron position being one where we now don't have the depth unless you do start rotating players like Gordon or, I don't know, like Joe Linton. If, if you really want to start getting adventurous, I think of that game against Brentford where he cut in from the right and took on about three players and smashed it through the keeper. Um, it's a tough one with Miggy because we all love him. No one, no one dislikes him. He'd be class at home again next week, I'm sure, because he, he seems to thrive. He's a very confidence-orientated player, mm. but he's never been a skillful ball-at-the-feet ball kind of player. He is whole thing was was his, his pace and his like energy and he's when he's on it his finishing is good you know he can hit a shot uh, albeit cutting on his left foot is, is the only way he can do that but um, unless it's a ridiculous looped ball from Bruno where he's volleying it left right and center but it's it's weird I, I look at Miggy and I, he, he stood out when 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 Rafa first bought him as the fastest player I've ever seen but he's not even probably the top three fastest players in that starting lineup now like you've got like Isaac Wilson um even Murphy probably faster than him. I, Barnes I and reckon, Gordon, like, I reckon are, are, he's faster than them all. You reckon? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, he doesn't stand out as being our pacey player anymore. Maybe, maybe I'm doing him a disservice. It's just that he has other fast players around mm. him now, so it's not about just getting Miggy in behind with those with that pace. Even though it, it could have happened a couple of times yesterday, but yeah, he's never been capable of. Unlike an Isaac who had a disappointing game yesterday, but was was marked out of it really well by their defenders. Um, he lost his individual battle. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, Isaac. Um, Miggy can't do that. He can't get himself in a position and find a way out of it with the ball. He has to. He, he plays on instinct, and, and you don't get a chance to play on instinct against Man City. So, in these kind of fixtures, I agree with you where he he's not going to impact that kind of game very often. Um, it's, it's tough because I, I love him, and I think he will still play a big part of the season. He's a very good squad player, but he is actually probably to your point of not suited to that kind of fixture. Thoughts on it. I can't really add much more to that. I really like him as a as a player and a person, so it's it is difficult. But it, yeah, you're right. He's 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 all about pace. He's all about kind of trying to draw players away. He's sort of better, not better, but good off the ball, as good off the ball as he is on the ball. 
Um, uh, but it's that decision making. It's that final third. It's that it's that end product. He just doesn't have it. And and we needed that. And we needed some creativity yesterday. And we didn't have it. We didn't have like you know to hark back to earlier in the podcast. There was no plan B. There was no um, what do we do now and a more intuitive or slightly more technically able player makes a decision makes better decisions in that in that position like you said he kept passing back he kept passing back to Dan Byrne and they just let it happen like a different kind of player a more able player would be like why is that happening oh not not I'll do it again that's easy and nice so I really like him. I think he does a lot for us against lesser opposition. He's he's troublesome, especially against opposition that isn't as physically fit as we all are. He's a, he's an, an, a really difficult player to play against. But in a game like yesterday, uh, again to the kind of damn burn point, he's not the player that's going to take us forward into beating teams like City. Yeah, one thing which counts against Almiron is he's playing all this football with Trippier behind him, who's world mm. class. So that mm. might might make him look better. Let's see. I'll back him to bounce back. I thought he was really good against Villa. Um, let's see what happens against Liverpool next week. It's another big test for Burn, considering Liverpool's front line next week. Um, we will have, of course, a full podcast the night of that fixture out. I just want to say something about Elliot Anderson really quickly. <gasps> yes. uh, it wasn't in terms of you know actual outcomes that he affected, but the fact that he was one of the few players who every single time he got the ball, his first touch was a forward touch, and he asked questions of Manchester City defenders that they didn't like answering. He gave um, the City left-back more to do in the short time he was on the pitch than players that he replaced. Um, and I thought he was great. And it's, you know, if Joe Linton is injured and we don't know how bad that injury is, I think Anderson has a really good shout to be the first cab off the rank to come in and play that position against Liverpool. So well done to him. We're going to leave it there. Thanks to you three. Thanks to everybody listening and watching on YouTube. Uh, we'll be back, like I said, post-Liverpool. We're on Patreon. It keeps this stuff going and free to access for everyone. So please come and support us on that if you like what we do. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.